Good evening, everybody. This lesson today, or tonight, is, um, is actually a lesson I gave at uh, Evangelism University uh, this year, back in January. Um, and uh, it was, it was a, I'm, I'm glad I got, I was given a question to uh, try to answer and present. And so that's what I'm going to try to do tonight. I've had to condense it greatly. I set up for like an hour lecture. I don't think you want to stay here that long, so uh, I've cut a lot of information out, but I think i got enough that we can get a gist of how to answer the question that was given to me. And before I get to that question, let's just sort of um, set the story up, or set, set up what we're doing. Um, I think it was 2015, I can't, maybe it was 14, I can't remember when I was teaching, 7th grade, when 7th grade was just straight geography, and I remember talking to the kids, and, and, and that was the year that Supposedly, the world population went over the 7 billion person mark. 7 billion. So there's 7 billion plus people and counting on the planet. You look at our, our, our world map here, the seven continents. If I've done my research right, uh, if you can read that, it may be hard to read, but of each continent, you can see approximately how many people are on each of those continents, of course, Asia and, uh, and uh, Africa, uh, making up the vast majority of that population. So about 7.4 billion people on this planet. It's a lot of people. Now look at this map. Of these 7.4 billion, how many is hearing the gospel? How many has access to the Word of God? You look at this map... And in the lighter shaded colors, especially 0 to 10%, probably a Bible on every table, that scenario. But as you go on up, you get to the red section. And if you notice, it's Northern Africa, Southwest Asia, Muslim-dominated countries. Either they're not allowed, Christianity is not allowed, or it's very hard to get a Bible and read the Bible, or uh, it's just flat out out. You just better not get caught. Or it might be just be remote. People just, believe it or not, just never heard of Jesus. Never heard of him. Approximately four plus billion people are, quote, unevangelized in some form or another. That's a lot of people that might potentially not get the gospel, not get the Bible read to them, not hear about the plan of salvation. So it begs this question. Will God really, I mean, will God really send people to hell that has never had access to the gospel? Is God going to send somebody to a prepared hell who never got to hear the word of God? Now, the question that was given to me to research and present uh, at EU was this question. How will God judge those who have never had access to the gospel? Which is basically the same question. How do you do that? How do you... Now, I'm never probably going to be in northern Africa, southwest Asia, or, or some of these other places, but within my realm of influence, whether at school, whether walking around the mall, at a restaurant, wherever it may be, 
Some of them might come up and say, hey, Steve, I've got a question to ask you. Can you answer it? So here's how I approached it at EU and how I'm going to approach it tonight. How to evangelize this question. If somebody comes up and asks you, how would you approach this subject? Because can you see a fight starting really fast with this question and how you answer it? Because quite honestly, the answer is pretty easy. The answer is not that difficult. But how you approach it can be the difference between getting somebody's attention and teaching them more to just a total block and no more discussion about it. So how would you approach this subject? Well, here's just my suggestion of how I was telling the kids uh, at uh, EU2. Um, Here's the first thing I would do. I've always found that if you can find, when you're talking to somebody, if you maybe find some middle ground, some ground where you can both sort of agree and maybe ease some of the tensions. So here's um, how we do it. Now, before that, though, just to establish a precedence, a precedence, if you will. Who has authority to answer this question? How will God judge those who've never heard the gospel? Who has the authority, and I'm sort of asking, who has the authority to answer this question? Not really, I'm asking. Okay, God. All right. But now let me take it a little deeper. Who was given all authority? Okay, Jesus, right? Jesus is given all authority in heaven and earth. All right? So if we're going to answer this question, it's Jesus. But now Jesus is not on this earth anymore. Did he delegate authority to anybody before he left? The answer is yes, right? He gave the keys of the kingdom to who? The apostles. Okay? And they took that in Acts 2, began the kingdom of God, the church. And we can even add this. Any Holy Spirit-guided person. Which leads us to what? How are we going to answer this question? Hopefully everybody's got a copy. You have to start. The answer, this, the answer to this question has to come from this book. I can't say, well, I think, or here's my opinion. You can't do it on this question. Now, there might be some questions we can. There might be some gray area stuff. This is not one of them. There has to be an answer, and it has to come from God's Word, from the Bible. Now, answering the question, how are you going to start that out? Here's what I'm just going to suggest. First thing I want to talk about is sin. And that sin is very, very serious. Even our little kids. You talk to our pew packers right now who are in the class, they can tell you how serious sin is and what it does. And we adults should know that too. But when I'm sat down with somebody discussing this question, I'm going to say, let's talk about sin and the seriousness of it. The seriousness of it. And I think this is a good verse to start with. And it should be four. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, why is that a good verse to start with? I need a microphone to go out and that'd be cool. What? It's all inclusive. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Does that include does that exclude me? Does it exclude you? Nobody is. We're all all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So once I'm if I'm working with somebody talking about this touchy question, I could first say, look, we're in the same boat here. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You go to passages like uh, 1 John 1, verse 8 and verse 10, and you know these verses. And look at what these verses are saying. If I say I don't have sin, I'm a deceiver. I'm deceiving myself. If I say I don't have sin, there's no truth in me. But look toward the bottom of that slide. If I say I have no sin, who's a liar? Who am I making a liar? God, right? And the Bible's pretty clear. There is no lying in God. God can't lie. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 states, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our, our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All, all, all. We're all included in this. I want you to flip to these verses. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Actually, I got this. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now look at this verse. I want him to put them both up here. Go to Isaiah 59, please. Isaiah chapter 59. I appreciate you doing that. Because the word of God is not a burden. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and verse 2. Then we'll look at the Second Thessalonians text. So I'm establishing sin grips us all. Nobody can say, I never sinned. I don't have sin. Nobody can do it. But Isaiah 59 and verse 1 and 2 states this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. My sins have put up a blockade, a barrier. My iniquities. Well, God can't hear. Now look at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm beginning right in the middle of a thought, but that's okay. Well, I think it, it, it's okay. It won't, hurt the, it won't hurt the text as we read it. Begin with verse 6 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, we're trying to establish that sin is serious. Nobody escapes it. But look at this. Verse 6. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. So sin is very serious. We're all entrapped by it. And what sin does is separates us from God. It makes us to where God can't hear us or won't hear us. puts up a wall and it separates. There's serious consequences to it. 
So as I'm working with somebody, I thought it might be best to go ahead and talk about sin and how serious sin is. But did you notice something? You remember our question? How will God judge those who've never heard the gospel? I just answered it. That Second Thessalonians text just answered the question. But if they don't catch on, I'm moving on. So the second thing I might talk about is this. After I set up that sin is very, very, very serious, then let's talk about this. There's going to be a judgment day. And that's another thing that the Bible is so, so clear on. For example, and I've got the passages up here for you to read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 states, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Everybody. Now notice this passage. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. For inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Because I've included verse 28 in here. But again, a day is coming. It's appointed for us. We're going to die once, and there's going to be a judgment day. Notice this verse. Acts 17, verse 30 and 31. And Larry read this. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. All people. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. That man, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. So what I've established is this. Sin is very serious. If I'm working, if somebody asks me that question, I say, well, let's sit down and talk. First of all, let's talk about sin. Sin is going to, sin not taken care of is going to destroy my soul. And it's going to destroy my soul on the judgment day because there's going to be a judgment day. Now, the third thing, let's talk about judgment authority. He belongs to Jesus. If you would go to John chapter 5. Please, John chapter 5. Tony actually preached from this uh, not too long ago, a few weeks ago. But I was going to read these verses. I won't make a lot of comments. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and put up here what I was going to talk about. But let's read these verses anyway. Or just sort of watch the outline as I read it if you want to do that. Verse 22, for the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Again, I've just answered the question. I haven't really gotten to the main part of answering the question, but two or three times I've already answered it. But continuing, most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear him or hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. 
Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. As you look at that outline as we read, those, as we read that passage, the Father's delegated to the Son the authority to judge. He's going to be the ultimate judge. And the reason that is is because Jesus is the Son of Man. He knows what we He knows us. He's been through things as we've been through things. He's been tempted like we've been tempted. But He didn't sin. His judgment will be right. On the judgment day, we can't say, well, I think you're mistaken there, Lord. Can we go back and look at that? No, that won't happen. His judgment will be right. Those who hear Jesus' words... And believe will have everlasting life. And no one's going to escape his authority. Jesus gets this authority because he did accomplished, if you will, the Father's will. So, let's recap what we've done. What have we established? All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All have a rendezvous with the judgment day. Everybody. And Jesus is the judge. He's the ultimate judge based on John 5 and other places we could talk about. Now again, as we've gone through this, I've really answered the question if you go back to some of these passages. But now let's put rubber to pavement. John 14 and verse 6. If you need to go there, you're more than welcome to, but I think everybody in this room or most people know what this verse says. And if somebody can find the find the uh, um, a loophole in this verse, I'd like to know it. If somebody can show me the fine print on this verse, please show it to me. Jesus said, I am the way truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me now if i look at that verse and if i take the greatest magnifying glass in the world and try to find fine print i'm not going to find it there's no constitutional, U.S. constitutional loopholes in it. There's no elastic clause in that verse. It's not there. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. No one has a relationship with the Father. Nobody is attached to the Father unless you come through Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 8 to verse 12. Acts chapter 4. Verse 8 through verse 12. Again, I know the vast majority of you guys know these verses. But I appreciate you turning anyway. Peter and John have been uh, caught. Their crime is uh, they've healed somebody through the name of Jesus. Uh, the Jewish powers to be are holding them. And here's what happens beginning with verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, 
If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Of course, verse 12 is the highlight verse. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now again, if you can show me, if you can teach me, I'm not trying to be dogmatic up here, I'm being, I'm being sincere and honest. If you can show me a way around those verses to where there's some other way to heaven, some way to the Father from these two verses, then I'll be glad to sit down and talk to you with it and have a Bible study. Because I want to know. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I still hear pages turning. That's pretty... I can't do it. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in who? His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then we've already, we've already looked at this passage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse 6 through verse 9, and that passage says, Vengeance, flaming fire from Jesus on the judgment day on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. Don't know. Those who don't know and those who don't obey. Now, If salvation, if there's some other way that I can be saved outside of Jesus, what does this make Jesus Christ? What does this make all the apostles? What does this make Paul? Because they're either telling the truth or they're not telling the truth. I think. I think I understand it right. Either this is true or it's not. I don't know any other way around it. In answering this question... Sin is serious. And there's going to be a judgment day. And Jesus is that judge. With all that authority Jesus has, it's through Him and through Him only that I can be saved from my sins. And eventually, you have to talk about these verses on that question. How will God judge those who never heard the gospel? Well, salvation comes through Jesus. Then I think you know the answer. Now, one other thing, a final thought on this. You might be thinking, well, this, this, so for some, you probably, yeah, you're right. But some are like, that's just, it's hard to fathom. Let me just give you, and again, oh, by the way, if anybody wants the entire PowerPoint, just let me know. I can email it 
Facebook it or whatever you want, if you want the entire thing. I've knocked a lot of this out. But one final thought here. Think about the Great Commission. I think everybody knows what the Great Commission is. Going out, matter of fact, you know, Matthew, uh, oh, by the way, look at this. If people don't need the gospel to be saved, then why are we going to tell people about it? Shane and Emily, just come home. You're not needed. Daniel and Kathy Ham, come home. You're not needed. If people don't need the gospel, why are we taking it? Would they not be safer? Just not know? Wouldn't they be safer? Just don't tell them and then they'll go to heaven. Right? But you already know there's something missing with that, right? Jesus himself said, go into the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Teaching them to observe all things. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Romans 10. I'm running out of time. Just Romans 10 talks about, you know, uh, how beautiful are the feet who take the gospel. And taking the gospel into the world. And how can people hear unless people are sent? Because... In this pattern, Romans 10, especially verse 17, you know the Hebrew writer said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? Does it say that? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I think Hebrews 11.6, I think. Well, how do you get faith? How do you get faith? Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing what? The Word of God. That's how you get faith. Think about Paul. Acts 9, Acts 22. He was told, you're going, to go to, you're going to go to your countrymen, you're going to go to Gentiles, you're going to go to kings, and you're going to be going all over the place to take the gospel. You think of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and everything that happened to him. The beatings and the, and the, uh, the loneliness and, the, and going without provisions and being beat. thought he was dead being left for dead and the shipwrecks and all these things that happened. Why did he do that? Why would he go with all the... Wanting to go one place and the Holy Spirit says, no, go this way. If you want to go one direction, the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you to go this way. Why would this happen? Would it just not be safer to say, no, let's not go and they'll be okay? But that's not the case. Everybody has to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our mission to try to tell people that. And then let God do the judging. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have. Nobody in this room can say, I've never sinned. All of us are going to appear at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and and we're going to be judged for our life. And how we've lived this life on this earth. And he's either going to say, go into my father's heaven. Or go into the devil's hell. One, one of the two. It's going to be one of those two options. And it's going to be Jesus making that call. Jesus has been delegated, given that authority to make the judgment call. Jesus is the only way to a relationship with the father. Thus he's the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we need to love the world. And we need to try our best to get the gospel to the world if we can. And even that Bobby Branch, we should be trying to do that as much as we can. But our biggest thing is we all have a realm of influence that we can talk to the people about the gospel. I may never go to Africa or Southwest Asia or South Korea or any of those places. But I've got neighbors, I've got friends, and I've got people who need to hear the gospel. Just like people in this room, you need to hear this message tonight. Now, if this message has touched you through through the words that we've looked at, through the Word of God, that there's going to be, that we're sinners. And there's going to be a judgment day. And Jesus has to be in my life to go to heaven. Then, as much as it may be sad on our part to think about people who may lose their soul because they never heard the gospel. That's not the case tonight. That's not the case in this room. You've heard the gospel. You've heard about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's the Christ. He's the Son of God. And He died for us. So will you repent of your sins? What you've heard tonight, does that make you penitent in your heart and want to change? If it is, are you willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins? What a glorious thing that would be tonight if you would. Are you living the Christian life? Are you doing everything you can for Jesus? Or have you strayed? Listen, there's help tonight in any way you want it. And we'll help you as best we can, but it's your call. And the gospel is in your court. So if you need help, let it be known tonight as we stand and sing.